that get you pumped up or what? Oh, that's way better than our podcast music. You, you oh, took it up a than, step. Well, I got a guy to make it. We'll talk about that in a minute here. All right. Welcome back to another episode of On the Throne with Dick. And as he said, we took we took it up a step. And uh, all the credit for that goes to Senjin Boychuk, who you can find on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. The guy is killing it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how big his following is getting. But, you know, when we started this way back on, oh, geez, I don't even know what episode was uh, that was that he was on 14, maybe. Uh, he only had a couple hundred followers, so I, I gotta go back and check that out. See, see what's going on there. Oh yeah, that that rift was awesome. Oh get, yeah, should, maybe I should reach out to him, get him to do like a little like riff for like an intro for like our truck when it comes out in a commercial. Oh, dude, he would do that. That'd be sweet. Like that. That was sick. He would do that. Um, this week's episode, uh, very special guest Chase Barber of Edison Motors. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on here. Hey, yeah, man. Oh, oh definitely, dude. I, I reached out to you, like, what, 15 minutes ago? And I was like, hey, man, when are you guys, when are you guys free to do a podcast? You're like, right now? I'm like, like, right now, right now? You're like, yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm in. I mean, that's the way I do everything. I hate people that schedule things where, like, hey, you wanted to come do a podcast? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, okay, how about in two weeks, three weeks from now? I'm like... I don't know what I'm doing in two, three hours from now. You think you want me to plan two, three weeks in the future? Like, no, that's not how the bike works. Like, I I just like that. Let's do it. Let's get on with it. Let's start it right now. I don't want to wait two, three weeks. If you get me excited about doing a podcast, I want to do the podcast now. Right now. I just had Larry uh, Rufton on Rough Iron. And like, uh, like two nights ago, we recorded same thing. You know, it never happens like that. Right. And we were trying to get him on. I, and I found out he was in, uh, the same time zone as me, which is really rare. Usually he's in, uh, Detroit. And I'm like, Hey man, you down to do a podcast? He's like, yeah. When I'm like, I don't know. You're free in like 20 minutes. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm free. So like, we finally got her done. And, uh, yeah, like I said, then, and I'll say it again over and over again, I would rather, um, not rather, but yeah, rather, I guess, but the best shows come last second. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't ever plan. I don't do my homework. I like to be just a surprise and the conversation is more free flowing and random when it happens like that. And I find, you know, I get the best conversations. hundred percent. No, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's man. I've always said my podcast, but I, I always say that like, oh, I never do the the homework and then the pod, the conversations are free flowing. I've always said the same thing, but the truth is I was always just too lazy to do the homework. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's probably it too. I'm like, I don't have time to do the homework, right? I know I like you. I know I like your content. I like what you're doing and uh, I want to talk to you. You know, that's kind of what this podcast is about. It's been a lot of blue collar um, interviews, but they're, it's, Hey, Hey, it's like you guys be doing a lot of blue collar, uh, interviews, but, um, there's also people outside of the blue collar world that I'm talking to as well. And, you know, um, basically if you're doing something cool and you're a creator, I like, I like talking to other creators cause you know, um, people follow these, these people that are creating things and they know nothing about them other than 30 second clips. That's fair hang out with them um you know the whole point of of the podcast is to get more than 30 seconds out of you to find out you know what makes you tick man like 
what are you up to? Who are you? Why are you doing it that way? You know, um, I don't know if you remember. I think you were on. Yeah, you were on. You were on my uh, on the throne with Dick uh, mini yeah. series, right? Yeah, 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 were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were on there, and you know, it, it was a minute long, and a couple goofy questions, and then it's done. Still don't know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So this is a good chance to get into a little bit longer, more detailed. Exactly what it is, man. Bringing on the throne, long form. What up? That was good because that that short form, we got it done way too fast. I, I felt like it was fun. Yeah. It was just way too quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, that was back before, you know, you could have three minute long videos, you know, and, and this is you get a minute, a minute 10 out of it. And it's like, okay, no one's really going to watch past a minute. You're lucky to get 40 seconds out of them. Right. So I go the minute and it does however it does. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah. So what have you been up to these days then? You, I Just, see you're back in camp, out in the back, in, not, you're not sweeping anymore, you're back in the... No, I'm sweeping, I, I'm on the road crew right now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm on the road crew right now, we're in Hinton, I'm in a hotel, we had an early day, it started to rain, so we can't, you know, build roads in the rain, obviously, so we're, we're in Hinton and... That. Yeah, so it started raining. We got back early. I'm like, I want to record a podcast tonight, right? And who do I ask? I'm like, okay. I asked Chase and Jordan together. They didn't answer me. Maybe maybe Chase will answer me back, and they'll both come. Or maybe Jordan. So I I, I emailed or not emailed. I text you, and you got back to me like fairly quick. You know, it's funny. I was literally just like sitting, scrolling through some TikToks, and like your TikTok actually came up like two, three minutes, or like. Literally, like a minute before you texted me, and I was sitting there. I'm like, I wonder what Dick's up to right now. Which one was that? Uh, donuts from the safety person. Oh, okay. I think actually that's why I texted you because I saw that you liked it, and I'm like, I'm asking Chase. If, okay, maybe I should ask Chase if he wants to. That's why I sent you the text. It was subconscious. Ah, yeah, it's funny how that all works, eh? Yeah, what? man, the powers that be, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so what. What are you doing? You're not logging anymore, obviously. No, no. Just spending the whole time building this truck. Hold on. Oh is is that a YouTube plaque in the background? Uh, Back there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got our 100,000 subscriber plaque up there. Nice. I'm at 660 subscribers, so I, oh, I'm good a job, little good bit job. behind you. you. You know what's weird, though? It, um, it happens so fast. For about seven to nine months. On YouTube, nothing. Just, I think after like nine months, we had like a thousand, two thousand followers, nothing. And then all in the space of three months, we went from like a thousand followers, two thousand followers up to a hundred and twenty thousand followers in like a month or two months. It just went crazy. And, and that's what I find like a YouTube video will sit there and do nothing for a month and then just spike like crazy. Yeah. And I find the opposite. When I post my YouTube videos, um, They'll do nothing for sometimes the first eight hours. Some Sometimes it takes 24 hours. I give it the first 24 hours, it'll sit there. I check back in 24 hours, and then it spikes, right? But I'm posting a lot of shorts, right? So um, the podcast also goes on the YouTube channel, right? I figured that was a good way to have more than just shorts on there, long-form content as well, to help with, you know, if we ever monetize or or get, yeah, have the option to monetize, there is long-form content, content on there to help push ad revenue right so um 
the videos are doing okay. The podcast videos. I mean, um, when I go do a live stream, you get more views. But um, for the most part, we're we're looking at eighty to a hundred views on 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 there so far, right? Oh, so, right on, right on. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. Ah, well, I mean, it, it it's worth it if you can can do it. It's like we finally got our YouTube up, where it, it can now. It, it's not a great amount of income, like quit your job kind of income but we were able to actually um we used all the money to hire theron to come full time now so between the merch and the thing the merch and the youtube revenue covers about 50 percent of his wage and we figured that was close enough that we could get him on full time so now we can come and film all the long format which is great because now we're assembling all the high voltage components all the main like the exciting stuff is now happening so to be able to be able to afford to hire a guy to come in and film it so it's kind of nice all the money we got from youtube goes directly back into making more youtube content for the people that's amazing that's amazing and the ron did the ron bring his not a go-kart with him uh we got like four or five at the shop Ooh, that remember that secret project i was telling you about involves those things right now okay okay well how how long until that secret project is unveiled i don't know probably like a week a week? Well, you can talk I'm, about it if you want to. This doesn't go up for three weeks, so. Oh, okay. So it might already be released if it goes ahead. Yeah. Um, so right now we're working with a couple of high school like shop class things, and we're trying to put together the Edison Challenge. We were thinking, with those electric little go-kart axles or anything, why don't we ship them off to a bunch of high schools around like BC? Maybe we can get a couple in Alberta. Like, we'll give them the axles and all that, and then see if they can bring the, like, just build an electric mobility scooter and we'll put them through a bunch of challenges and tests. Like, you know, I do a little, like I was thinking, we're thinking three different challenges who can get theirs to go the fastest, who can get go theirs to go the longest on a charge and then a tractor pull. So we run it through three challenges, the farthest, the fastest, and who can pack the most weight and they can build their vehicles to however they want to compete. And each one will put it in like a little points scoring category, but, we're going to sponsor that. We're going to send these, if these kids are interested and these high schools are interested, we're going to get like five, 10 high schools, maybe 20 is the lofty goal. And we'll get them all together this summer, September. They can start planning it. We'll like, we'll order the parts in and get them the parts. And yeah, hopefully we can get a bunch of like high school kids thinking about how to build some cool shit. Man, inspiring the next generation. Yeah. Well, like, started thinking about it and you're like you, you look at like what car racing did like nascar was like nascar the old formula one the groupie rally like they used all these racing challenges to really drive cool things and now formula e pisses me off so much like i, I can't stand formula e and people always ask that like oh well you're an ev guy how do you not like the formula e because it's bullshit Every single thing, like, oh, your air spoiler was half a centimeter out of spec. You're, we're going to have to dock you points. That's not the point of automotive racing. The point of automotive racing was to drive technology, come up with crazy ideas. It should just be, how can we make these things do the coolest, the fastest, or pull the heaviest thing? Like, that's why I love looking at, like, tractor pulls and mud bogs. Because, like, blue-collar guys just bolting shit together make really cool shit not like text it's not going to be formula e but we need like a high school level because we can't sponsor big race teams but we can sponsor like the mobility scooter ones that, that's in our budget 
So let's get a bunch of high school kids thinking outside the box on how they can put all this shit together to make the coolest tractor pull race car. I just want to see what these kids can do. Like no rules whatsoever. I mean, maybe a couple little safety rules, probably a seatbelt or something. But apart from that, no rules. Whatever you want to do, you do no it. Holds bar. Yeah, Give just her. you got to use the same axles, the same batteries. That's it. You got to use the same amount of power and you got to use the same axles. What gearing you want to put in, what tires you want to put in, how, what kind of frame you want. Apart from that, I don't care. This is what happens when nerds are given blue collar money and freedom of uh, freedom to build whatever they want. Yeah. 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 I love it. I, I can't wait to like, I hope this gets off the ground. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks, but uh, and see what kind of schools we can get. And yeah, but I think it's going to be such a cool idea. So back up for a second. Let's rewind. You're talking about the components and stuff like that, that you're getting ready to put in this truck, right? Yeah. Let's start with what truck are we talking about here? Um, the, our new electric uh, off highway truck. Are you the first to do this? Yes. Yes, we oh. are. So the reason why I'm asking, I know, and maybe, you know, other people that are, some people that are, uh, listen know, but, you know, you were on uh, a podcast that I was a part of, you know, last year, and you have your own podcast as well, where you talk about it and whatnot. But just in case no one here oh, uh, yeah. knows, uh, what are you, what kind of project are you part of? What are you, what are you building here? Yeah, so we're building electric trucks, like electric semi-trucks is exactly what we're doing. Um, we're building electric trucks for like the logging, rig moving, that kind of heavy haul, heavy spec, vocational trucks. Like no electric electric truck manufacturer at all. It, it seems like all the electric trucks and all the new way that trucks are going suck. And yeah, I figured like we can probably do a better job. Hell yeah. And how, okay. I've, I don't think we've ever talked about this. I don't think I've ever asked you. How much money have you dumped into this thing so far? Cause man, it's gotta be a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, it's about one and a half million dollars. And well, in total with Carl, we're like 1.8 million, 1.9 million. We spent 300,000 doing the first pr proof of concept. Um, and now this one has been about 1.5 million in total. Wow. And I mean, you, you look at it is that getting all of the controls, the computer stuff, 400 grand for all of the controls, the computer, the software writing, 500,000 or so for to develop our e-axles. We had to get those engineered and spec'd out and they were they were quite pricey to do that because the big companies wouldn't work with us. They straight up would not sell us an axle. Like they would not, we went with e-axles because that was the issue we had on the proof of concept was driveline snapping. And we reached out to like Meridor. Meridor pissed me off real bad. Like Meridor, they asked us to post about their axles on our social media. They're like, hey, yeah, we like the, the Meridor 14 XE axle. And we like made a little post about that. And they're like, oh, that's great. Here's your engineers. And we talked with them for like two, three months, did all the design work, all the engineering work. And it we went to come buy it. And they said, oh, well, sorry, we're not going to sell to you. You're not a large existing OEM. And we don't think that we should be selling you our axles right now. There, there's oh, no geez. space for us. Uh, 
there's no space in our marketing to sell you axles. It like we just don't want to it to any a non-existing OEM. Like hence fuck off. Hence the China trip. Yeah, yeah. So we uh <laughs> we went and had our own. I'm like, okay. You started looking into it. I mean, it did piss me off because that was four months of engineering. Four months. Everything on our truck was set to that axle voltage that to work with those things. So whatever. But yeah, at the end of the day, we went and said, well, I mean, it's just, it's an electric motor that's hooked to a differential. It's a diff, it's a different differential is a differential. I mean, we can find electric motors, electric motors exist, differentials exist. So why don't we take that electric motor, put a way of transferring in into the power, into the differential and well now screw it. Now we have our own axles that we have the IP rights to for North America. Hell Yeah. Fuck you, guy. What was that company called? Meridor. Fuck you, Meridor. Right? Like, come on. That's a dick move. Don't ask me to, like, don't ask me to say that you like the product or anything like And then since then, I'm like, no, no more sponsored post. No, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. But, like, don't tell me and then say that, oh, we like you enough that we could use you for marketing, but not enough that you could actually use our thing. So Yeah, well, they fucked themselves in the end because you went somewhere else and now you own the rights to something better. Yep. And I mean, we talked about this. We're going to sell our axles just at cost. They, they pissed me off so much that I'm just going to bring the axles in for what they cost us and then sell them at cost. I don't even care if I make any money off the axles. As long as I can cover like shipping, custom, storage, yada, yada, yada. As long as that, I'll sell them at cost. Because um, we're they're literally going to be half the price of the Meritor axles because screw them. Uh, it just like this whole company was started basically out of spite. Don't like I I get the feeling that they thought we were just a bunch of loggers. Oh, those, yeah. those guys are just a bunch of loggers, truck drivers. If we just don't sell them the axle, they'll just go away. <laughs> they were yes, wrong. They were wrong. And now look at yeah. How how far away are we from having a a, a potential truck? Well, I, not a potential a truck on the road. Uh, well, we set a stupid deadline of September 9th. And like, how's that looking? Uh, maybe. It's maybe. It's it's a very strong maybe. You know, Fully Charged, they got a YouTube channel and they started this big show thing. And last year, they're like, hey, would you like to display your truck at the Fully Charged show? And we're like, absolutely. That sounds great. They're in Vancouver. And we kind of set a, a, like, okay, that's a full, like, almost a, over a year away. We'll probably have this truck done, maybe, or we'll bring Carl. And that seemed like a really long time until we like actually started looking at it. And you're like, oh my God, we, to get this truck built in under a year, we had to raise the money. We then had to test our proof of concept truck. So we had to take it out, do the testing, find out what worked, find out what didn't, then engineer the new truck based on what we learned on the other truck. Then order all the parts in the supply chain, get all the parts, and install all the parts in less than 12 months. We had to test a truck, then re-engineer a truck, order the parts, and build the truck in less than 12 months. Like, dear God, Tesla took like three, four years. And now all of a sudden we're like, uh, this thing's like two months away. Our parts will be showing up about the, the final parts we need, because it got delayed now, should be showing up three to four weeks before the show. So we will find out if can we, we're getting everything else. We got the axles in the batteries just showed up because we can start getting the batteries. It'll be all the control gear. 
So the big question is, will the controls work and be easy to install? We're going to basically find out, is two weeks enough to install all the components on the truck? And Stay tuned. Out? Yeah. Stay tuned. But we'll see. We'll see. At the, not, at the very least, we'll bring our original proof of concept. Well, and, and the crazy thing is, man, you have a huge following following you on this journey. There are a fuck ton of people that are like, I'm they're glued, they're 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 glued to their seats, they're they're watching, they want to see what this does. And I think for the most part, everyone is genuinely excited. Well, yeah, I'm honestly really humbled how many people wanted to follow along, but uh, it's it, it's really it's a cool and interesting mix of guys because you got like the hardcore ev nerds the hardcore truck nerds and they normally don't hang out and it's fun if you like at least from my perspective watching the comment section because it seems like everybody's learning a little bit like the old school like classic w900 guys are learning about like the ev side the ev side are learning about like heavy vocational trucks and it's like it, it's kind of a it, it's a cool it's a cool space yeah, no, it is. It is, man. Um, I whenever your, your videos pop into my FYP and I watch, or sometimes I go down the rabbit hole and just go right to your page. I watch the comments section too, and and I love it, man. For the most part, there's no hate. Yeah, that that's the one thing that surprises me. There's really like almost no hate in our comments. I mean, People as a rule are... of thumb, I never respond to any hate. There is the odd one, and I just don't respond and ignore it, but people seem genuinely interested and a lot of people just keep saying oh people hate ev people hate electric no truckers I, for the most part they don't hate evs they don't really hate electric they hate the way electric is done like i've never seen a truck driver be like freight trains suck because of their electric motors well, eternal log loaders are dog shit like it doesn't happen they're just tired of the way that the evs are being rammed down their throat because they're being told hey, you need to go buy an EV. And then they look at these EVs and they're so far out to lunch for what a vocational truck or and an owner-operator needs. Like you can't service them, you can't fix them, you can't repair them, you can't work on them. They keep everything so secret. No, don't look under the hood. Like you look at some of these trucks, they're behind like all their control units are behind locked boxes. We show everybody exactly what our control parts are. We show them where we get the batteries. We use common parts off the shelf, built reliably to last like a freight train or an old Laterno would be. That's exactly what we're doing. And I think people are like, oh, yeah, I get it. The, the torque of the electric. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're also not unrealistic. We know electric trucks, a fully electric truck will not do the job of a logging truck. A logging truck needs about two and a half to three megawatts of power per day. The biggest battery on the market is the Tesla Semi at one megawatt. You would need three times the batteries of a Tesla Semi, which is already like 20,000 pounds. You're, what, 60,000 pounds in batteries just to get a truck to like, it, it's just, it's not realistic. And, but it's more efficient. We can take that C15, bring it like a 15 liter down to a nine liter. It runs at a peak efficient RPM. It still has the regen. You're, we're still like in our proof of concept testing doing 50% better fuel mileage with more power, more torque. Like 
once you start explaining that to people, they they kind of get it. I, most people just most people get it. Most people think logically, and I think that's kind of avoided our hate. You know, like as a oil and gas guy, who you know has his doubts about electric vehicles and whatnot. Man, even I'm like, fuck yeah, why not? Right, we're there. We it, it, hey, you know the the issue so far has been the technology. Where's the technology been at? And you, sir, are like, you're you're answering that question. Well, it's the next next logical bridge. Like people say, we're just going to completely get rid of oil, and that's not accurate. Yeah. And then they think they're we're going to get rid of gas. Like, give your head a shake. You know how many peaker plant natural gas peaker plants are going to need to exist if we put out all fully electric. Just seriously. Think about the amount of gas in like we can't dam that many streams. Dogs. So let's just do the math on logging trucks with me here, Dick. Now there's about five thousand logging trucks in BC. Let's take the low end, two and a half. Say there's only five thousand. Yeah, there's about five thousand logging trucks. It's not a huge number. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, but two and a half megawatts times five thousand is about twelve thousand five hundred. Okay, I'm bad at math. So, yeah, I was going to say 15. I just know but... this number off the top of my head. I've said it so many times. Now. Yeah, yeah. But it's my best example. And so that's 12.5 gigawatts of power every single day. Site C Dam up in Fort St. John is only 1.1 gigawatts. Really? You would need 12 and a half more Site C dams. Well, they Did wanted you... to build more, right? They had, um, um, what's that, the one in Hudson Hope? Yeah, the piece the piece the piece. Um, what was that it's called? The piece one. Um, yeah. and then you got the WC Bennett Dam that was built right? in the 1970s. That was man, I've been there. That 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 is just a beautiful piece of architecture, you know what I mean? When you see how it was built and and like how they did it, the technology they used to do it, man, those guys fucking filled rock trucks and built it out of out of little literally gravel. Yeah, that's because we got shit done in the 1960s and 70s. Like, yeah. I am sorry, but like, this is a tangent, but we can't fucking build shit anymore. And it drives me absolutely nuts. Like the entire, you know, the Coquihalla Highway from yeah. uh, Hope to Kamloops. Yep. That was built in 16 months to build the whole thing at a cost of, I think, $800 million. Shit, that's it? Yeah. Now... Just to repair two bridges on the Coquihalla that washed out. These two bridges have now been two goddamn years. We're going on 24 months to repair <laughs> two bridges when they built the entire highway in the 1980s in 16 months. And then you look at the Trans Mountain fucking pipeline. Like, are you shitting my dick? Like, <laughs> Jesus wept. Like, hey, Google, unshit my jorts. Right? <laughs> Like, come on. The, the, the original Trans Mountain Pipeline was built in 1953 in 15 months for a today's cost of $900 million. Inflation adjusted, $900 million in today's cost in 15 months. And now we're going on 10 years, and I believe we're at $24 billion. We're now $15, 18000000000 billion, and they're not even done. Like, are, what is going on? How come? And the, the other thing, they're like, oh, safety. 
it's cute. Oh, like, we're tape. slowing down for sa- safety and safe. Like, oh, red, red tape. tape, safety, red tape. yada, yada, yada. Our, our government keeps putting shit, uh, make, making it harder to get things done. And, you know, like it's and not just not just federally. You got provincial governments and federal governments when they when they change up a bit, their their policies change. Right. So I yeah. it, it's we're in the. I've said this a couple times now. We're in the era of weak men uh, creating hard times. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's just one of those ones where we need to build shit again. Like everyone's wondering, like, why do the jobs suck? Why do the like? How come there's no houses? We're not building houses. We won't develop houses because oh, you can't develop crown land. No crown land developments. But the price is going up. We can't build new highways. We can't build rail. We can't build anything. Like this this country was great when we used to build things. Like that's what makes a great country is infrastructure. We haven't upgraded our infrastructure since our grandparents. Basically, our grandparents left and retired and we stopped building things. We're like, oh, granddad built it all. I guess we can just coast on that. Well, uh, and that's what pisses people off about, you know, our tax system. We're insanely taxed we have what we're pushing 50 percent, if not more and and for what our infrastructure shit our health care is not that great nope nope what nope. what why why are we being taxed out the s it, where's it all going and the thing is that that's what drives me nuts is that you can see where it's going because the pipeline was government backed old daddy trudeau said he would back them up you, you, you mean the free one that was going to get built for free <laughs> Oh, and then like, uh, here's the other thing. And this is one of the things that I actually agree with the leader of the Green Party on this, Sonia. She made some good points about this, that pipeline, that natural gas pipeline to Kitimat. Do you know that the BC, it's that pipeline is largely owned. I think it's like 40% owned by the Chinese state oil and gas company. The BC government gave $4 billion to subsidize that pipeline's construction that is owned by the Chinese oil and gas company. Why the hell are our tax dollars subsidizing an oil and gas project owned by China? Number one, why is China being allowed to buy our resource projects? Number two, why are we paying them to own our resource projects? And then we're like, why do we have money for roads and all that? Maybe if we didn't give billions of dollars to China. So it's it's one of those things where like listening to like the leader of the Green Party, I'm like, normally I wouldn't agree with her, but she's got a damn good point on that one. Everybody listen up. The Green Party has risen. Let's not go that far. <laughs> oh, shit. No, actually... So- I, I, to be fair she's one of those politicians that i don't agree with her on everything but i respect her i made a video calling out about it was about um gas oil and gas and why i like gas is right now she was talking about that they would increase emissions in bc by exporting that gas and i broke down the video and i did the math on it and yes it increases bc's emissions but it reduces China emissions by 10 times the amount we produce because that natural gas that comes from BC and Alberta goes to China. China has been trying massively to shut down their coal-powered plant. So every megawatt of power we send to natural gas is a megawatt that isn't produced out of coal. And I'm like, okay, I broke down all the math. And then what happens is that coal gets burnt way worse than our natural gas, goes up into the jet stream, crosses the Pacific, hits the mountains of British Columbia, drops on our mountains as sulfuric acid, acid rain, 
from the coal power plant. So if we wanted to improve the quality of our water, we should be shipping that natural gas. And I made that comment in a TikTok replying to her. And I respect the hell out of her because she actually phoned me and had a long conversation where she's like, well, I didn't think about the global impact. I was focused on BC. But what about if we were to look at the total global impact of our exports and start factoring that in? And then she educated me on the subsidies. And I looked that up and yeah, we are giving billions of dollars. So I do agree with her opposition to that. And why are we giving billions of dollars to the Chinese state government? And like, the fact that she was willing to sit down and actually have a conversation about these things and we could learn from each other, I was not Amazing. expecting from the leader of the Green Party, and I was impressed. Your video did so well or or hit the right eyes, and and she was like, I got to call this guy. Yeah, and it's funny, Pierre Polyev wow. made the same video like the two days later saying what I said verbatim, and I'm like, you fuck. He, he saw, literally stole my video. Pierre, Pierre Foliev saw your shit too. What the hell? And then that literally makes me said, if he ever sees thing. my shit. I wonder oh. if, if Pierre ever watches me. Probably. Fuck. <laughs> no. Pierre, I'm simping. I'm simping now. Not for yeah. Pierre or anything. Not for, not for just Pierre. <laughs> you know, let's get that straight. I, right wing, left wing, both wings of the two, two, two wings of the same bird. So, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just, as far as like my respect goes, one just like stole my video, repost the content. That's cool. I, I agree with the message, gets it out there. The other one also phoned and sat down to talk about it. And I thought that was actually like, that's a high level of respect for me. That's if you huge. don't agree with someone and still willing to sit down and talk, and I think she's actually going to come out to the shop here and have a look. But really? Yeah, she wants to see. She wanted to learn more about our truck because she's, well, it's electric, which is great for the green, but it also has that generator. So I was able to explain like, it's reducing fuel by 50%. It's running at one constant RPM. So it's burning the fuel diesel that it does burn way better because it's not lugging down and soot loading. The emissions, yeah. it burns hotter. It can burn cleaner and you're burning less. That emit, You can't meet the demand. 80, 90% of trucks will never be fully electric. But if we can reduce, so let's say we tried really hard and really pushed batteries, we might get that 10% up to 20% of trucks. But in my math, it's way better to take 80% of the trucks and reduce 50% of their fuel because that's a 40% phase savings and reductions over just a 10% by pushing electric. Doing that bridge step is by far saving 40% more or 40 times, four times more than just pushing full electric. And it's a nice bridge to get. But like, yeah, totally respect her. Like she had, we had a great talk about the whole thing and yeah. Man, you got a lot of numbers going on in your head, eh? Like you're just you're just the numbers guy. It's it's well, I mean, I work with these numbers all day long doing this math and speaking of math, back to the math. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were talking math. You were talking math before we went this way. Yeah. Oh, about the site C dams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I you think said we... Sightsee Dam, and then I took it. I'm like, WC Bay. Yeah, and then we got into a rant about or... infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> this is our <laughs> podcast all over again. Uh, but yeah, so basically, each logging truck, two and a half megawatts, 5,000 logging trucks, 12.5 gigawatts. Sightsee Dam only produces one gigawatt. So you would need 12 more, 10 more Sightsee Dams which would be flooding. If you look at the amount of area that site C floods, you would have to flood an area basically the size of Wales to produce that with hydroelectric power, which means 
that the only way to do a full electric is you're going to need peaker plants for when all those trucks plug in. Peaker plants are just natural gas generators that fire up, put that energy onto the grid on demand when needed to handle the peak demand load. That's why they're called peaker plants, which means that you would need thousands and thousands and thousands of natural gas plants to go electric. So going electric is just, it, okay, the cars aren't burning oil, but they're still burning gas. Like, it's just, it, either way, you can't get away from oil and gas. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, oh, I and I know that. that. I know that. But you got other people pushing an agenda, right? And they, I think they know that, but it doesn't fit the narrative. No. And it's, the thing is, I think of like a strong reduction, a 50% reduction in fuel burnt at, with, and there's points where there's electric and more things on the grid, like commuters, like a little city delivery van could be electric and we could meet that power demand with gas. We really could. We really could have energy independent in Canada. Like, and I, that's where I think there is a balanced solution to everything. There's a nice middle point. Like, I love solar because I love the idea that I can make my own power. Like, we run our whole shop and I don't have a single power bill off solar. I like that. Is it practical all the time? No. But that's where natural gas, peaker plants, and then solar production in the daytime work really well together. Solar, nice base load, and you fire up natural gas generators on and off as that solar. To, they complement each other. Solar and electricity complement oil and gas. Like working together is always the best solution, which is also why I get so mad about a government. Can I have one more rant? And I really want to get this yourself rant out, out here. Do, um, it. do you know that solar panels, they keep trying to push this green initiative of... Oh, we need more solar. We need more electric. But our government puts on a 250% tariff on solar panels coming into Canada. What? We could get solar three times cheaper if they got rid of that goddamn tariff. That's and insane. It comes from China. They don't want it. They don't want solar panels from China. So what you have to do and what we do is we buy solar panels from Vietnam because we use a lot of solar for our light towers. We buy solar panels from Vietnam. But 100%, they just build them in China, put them on a shipping container, ship them to Vietnam, unload them, reload them, and then ship them to Canada and say they came from Vietnam. I 100% guarantee that's probably what they're doing just to avoid that. But like, okay, but now you're just paying a boat and extra handling fees and extra this and this and this and this. And it just... And they say it's, we have the tariff to protect Canadian solar, the Canadian solar, because we have a manufacturer of Canadian solar manufacturing a tiny amount of solar panels. So that's why they need the tariff. You want to know the fucking dumbest thing about this? What? Canadian solar is owned by the Chinese. <laughs> no, seriously, go look it up. A guy from mainland China started Canadian Sol solar. He is from China. He was a professor at a Chinese university, came over to Canada, started a business bringing in Chinese solar panels. Now he brings all the parts in, builds a few parts. Basically, he just puts the frames on in a shop in Ontario and then lobbied the government so that Canada can't have cheap solar. So it, Canada solar is owned by the Chinese, but then we put a tariff on all the other Chinese solar panels that come in just to protect one Chinese guy's monopoly on the Canadian market. But if we could lower that cost by like three times by not having that tariff, let is get as much solar. And then people could just put solar on their houses, their RVs, their fifth wheels and have cheap power for themselves. And I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but I swear that our government is only putting those tariffs on there 
so that people don't produce their own power. Like, maybe. I don't know. Why else would they do that? Like, it, it, why? They would lose money. Yeah. 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 Just. And the thing is, they're like, oh, it's got to protect the Canadian business of importing solar. But like, what about the ones that use solar panels? Like all the installers, it would help their business if it made it cheaper. What about all the people that you could cut their energy costs? What about manufacturers like us that make things with solar panels on them? That would massively reduce our cost. Because the stupidest thing here is that like we manufacture the, all those solar trailers and we have to buy the more expensive panels, but then we have to compete if you, we just had the entire trailer made in Canada and shipped over with the solar panels on it, we don't pay the tariff because we're importing a light tower, not solar panels, which that's a major cost of the trailer is of the solar trailer is the solar panels on the trailer. Like, but we have to now compete against all the manufacturing in China for the solar trailers that we try and manufacture here. It's like, at some point, at some point, this whole thing is ridiculous. Make it make sense. <sighs> People have wondered, like, geez, Chase, your TikToks have gotten more political since you started your <laughs> own business. It used to just be about trucking. And like, yeah, like, yeah, I, because when I was trucking, the only issues I had were trucks and reliability of trucks. Now that I've started this business and the business is growing, now I start dealing with tariffs and policies and, yep. and real estate and all these other issues. And like, it's it, we're a very... We're a very well-known company. We have great followers, but great publicity means that we now have politicians involved. We have other things, Chamber of Commerce. And now they're like, well, how come you're in this? It's like, well, now we're dealing with these other issues. My biggest issue used to be blowing airlines, getting caging bolts, and dealing with a code reader. Now I'm having to deal with imports on different products, pricing, tariffs. I'm looking at real estate to buy a shop. So now I'm looking at crown land leases, environmental issues, permitting. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah, of course. My videos were about trucking when I was driving a truck because that's <laughs> what I was doing. Now it's getting, yeah. Now I'm dealing with a whole other thing as a CEO of an energy company. Or electric that, company. Isn't that crazy? You call yourself an energy company? I mean, I, I meant to say electric truck company, but I said energy instead of electricity. Well, it that's is energy, thing, though. Yeah. It is energy. It's the same thing. I mean, that's true. So you made I mean, a comment. I did try. We, me and Eric did try and start a, did start and try and start an actual energy company when we were doing those PPAs. We, we used to do that until the BC government said that we weren't allowed to do that anymore. We used to go and then just put in the power and then we'd put in all the solar and the power and the systems then we would just sell the energy and then the government said you can't sell energy anymore bc hydro has to have a monopoly on that and that killed that but we used to be an energy company there you, there you go you you made a comment like i don't know 10 minutes ago or so um about how you know uh, this starting to sound like our podcast right <laughs> yeah so yeah. so you have you guys have your own podcast and uh what's it called and where is it uh, Blue Collar Interviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We don't make as many as we used to. I think we've gotten like 150 episodes, but we now it seems like we're lucky if we get four. We used to do one every single week, and now we're lucky if we do one a month, one every two months. It's we just this thing is now this company is now taking up so much time that we're on such a push for this deadline that I've kind of put the podcast aside. 
Well, I mean, it's still there, and I, I listen to ones I haven't listened to yet every now and then. I'll go back, and I'll be like, okay, I haven't heard this one yet. I pull it up. Um, you guys, basically, you guys do the same thing I do, right, um, on that podcast, except for, you know, uh, yeah, basically you do. I, I interview uh, interesting creators, but mostly blue collar because that's my niche. But you guys, blue collar interviews, you go after, you know, the blue collar guys that you basically you see or have met and gotten to know through social media. Yeah, they're very, very similar podcasts. So people like your podcast, they actually might like ours. And one of the cool little bonuses is if you start at the beginning, it was before Edison Motors and everything. And you can literally see the idea coming into fruition across the episodes. Yep. yep. Yeah, I've noticed that. And, you know, not only is it very similar, you guys and and and, and uh, the blue collar interview guys and on the throne with Dick, we have interviewed a lot of the same people. Yeah. 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 Uh, not, maybe not a lot, but a few. You know, I've had Carl on. I have the Ron on. Um, and now I'm having you. you. You obviously don't interview you, but like uh, I am, uh, you know, uh, who else? Oh, We've geez. interviewed each other. Yeah, we've interviewed each other. Yeah, I've I think been, you've on, been on it a couple times. I've been on it twice. Yeah, yep. and um, Teddy, Teddy's coming on. I just have to to get uh, his his schedule worked out with him to see when when he's available. So just tell him to be available. He works four on four off. Just tell him to be available on the next shift. Teddy, well, he gave me his phone number. Told me to text him and be like, "Hey, let's let's get it done." Um, right now, right now, the podcast it feels like a bit of a sausage fest. I think I've had six or six women on. And so right now, you know, when I'm going through the list of people I want on and I'm asking every day, uh, I start with the women. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Ours is a bit of a sausage fest, too. Yeah. We've had a few girls, but it's definitely like three, four guys to every. But I mean, we normally we're in the trades and unfortunately, women are very underrepresented in the trade. Very true. I mean, I'm sure if we were doing an elementary school teachers podcast, we'd have a, like, it'd be harder to find guys. Yep. Or yep. whatever trade. I don't know. I'm like, you get in trouble for saying that, that men are underrepresented in those ones. I don't know. Uh, yeah, why not? Sure. I, the women are highly underrepresented in certain trades or uh, niches, careers. Men are as well. Yeah. I've always said that. Like that, that was actually one of my first videos that go viral. I asked, why don't more girls drive truck like yeah and I, I don't i have no idea like i kind of get it if you're in a trade like iron worker where you're just slinging steel all day but as far as like electrician truck driver like that's that's a perfect one i know a lot of girls that drive truck and they are fantastic drivers but it's weird that you don't see them like yeah yeah um well you actually had lucille on rig moving chick yeah, she's awesome. On yours, she is awesome. I have worked near her. I guess her the company she did work for. Um, they they just uh, went into uh, what's that? They went to the auction, I guess. Richie Brothers, yeah. Yeah, they went to the uh, Northwell. Went to uh, Richie Brothers, and uh, I've I've met her a couple times at the shop. Once shortly after the podcast I did with you guys, where I said. I did not have a fantastic experience. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and she, she was not happy about that. But then I saw her shortly after the second one we did where I was like, hey, by the way, I'm not saying anything bad about them. 
I'm just saying my experience wasn't good, right? And and I mean they I went bankrupt, so. <laughs> but well, you see, she got she got hired on by this people that bought her old truck. She's back in her old truck. Good for her. I didn't see that. Yeah, no, no. They uh they all went to auction. Northwell went under. Sent all yeah, the vehicles well, to well, Richie Brothers. Neil died, right? So. Is that what happened? Oh, that's he died. Bad. Yeah, he's the and, owner of my company too. But his son, uh, the two sons had each, and uh, the one that owned Northwell, he wanted to. It's time, right? And so the one that the brother that owns the company I work for, he's like, "Nope, we're we're gonna keep going here." Okay, that's what yeah. happened. That's yeah. I never knew the whole story. So, no, yeah. good for her though that she's back in her own truck. Yeah, cool. like. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> get yeah. laid off. Oh, the truck's going to Richie Brothers. Guy buys the truck and then she gets the driver too. That's insane. That's uh, she loves that truck. I mean, it's a beautiful truck. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it is. That's for sure. What I don't even know what company it was. I haven't seen any of her videos in a bit. So, oh, I don't know. It is like Calwell or something like that? I I can't remember. Calnash. Calnash. Yeah, that is it. Calnash. I, I think that's it. It was Cal something. Blue logo had a little picture of a Derek on it. Yeah, I think that's Cal Nash. Good, good for them. If that's if it's Cal Nash, he's working with Ibby now, and Ibby Ibby's a TikTok creator too. And yeah, and and the two will the two will probably make some magic over there. Oh, okay. You know the only thing that like drove me nuts, kind of ticked me off about the whole thing. They bought a bunch of red and white trucks. But their logo is like a this obnoxious blue logo. I'm like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you just make a red and white logo? Like, it, it just just change the logo color for that truck. It just for in my mind, it just doesn't look quite right. Maybe they got lots really of money. Gigantic thing, but too much money, not enough brains. Right, right. You got the money to buy millions and millions of dollars of thing, but you can't like change the color on the logo. Yeah, yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. shit! So wh where is Jordan right now? What's he up to these days? I haven't really talked to him much. He's in Manitoba, so I imagine he's just stabbing people in a state of yeah, stabbing people, sitting in a state of depression, wondering why he's in Manitoba. Yeah, yeah, I think he's in Brandon, isn't he? I, I thought there was only Winnipeg. Like I thought that was just Winnipeg. You you go to Manitoba, you end up in Winnipeg, you get stabbed, you end up in Ontario. Hope for the best. You you get stabbed, end up voting liberal. <laughs> Is Winnipeg liberal? I don't know. Uh, I meant when I know literally Ontario. nothing about Winnipeg. I'll be honest. Ninety percent of the time, I forget Winnipeg exists. Oh man, my wife used to think that the uh, Manitoba license plate said "Finally Manitoba" because if you're leaving Ontario, it's like thirty fucking hours of driving through it's Ontario. Stopped. Finally Manitoba, or you're coming through Saskatchewan and you get to Manitoba and you're like, finally. Right. Uh, but no, it says friendly. And I mean, her and I had a little disagreement about that until I actually showed her it says friendly Manitoba. Oh, I mean, finally, Manitoba. I have done that drive several times. And dear God, Ontario is a long time to drive through. And why is there speed limit 90 kilometers an hour? Like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. The only speeding ticket I've really got was in like in Ontario and I'm doing 105 and I got nailed for doing 15 over. And it's like, why, why is your speed limit 90? Like you can blare, like head down the Fraser Canyon at a hundred, 120 on the Coca Hala. You could with that truck down, like 
you're doing 130 down the smasher, fully loaded in a train. No problem. You're only 10 over. Like I've come down the smasher at 120, a fully loaded train, enter the S corners, whip her through those S corners at about 30. No problem. You're fine. Cops aren't even going to look at you. You do yeah. 105 in Ontario on a perfectly flat and straight road. And they're like, oh, 105, that's dangerous. Go well, back you know, to BC where you can do 120 down the side of a mountain. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you know who Matt Webb is, the guy who took his uh, trike across Canada, started out in 100 Mile House, BC, uh, and supported yeah. down bikers. He got stopped in Ontario. They, that's where his journey ended because Ontario. They're like, mm, nope, I think you've had too much fun here, sir. Gone. Huh. Yeah, well, he was on an episode 10. Oh, okay. And yeah. Ontario. Man, I, I love Western Canada. This is like Western Canada is the place to be. Western Canada is the place to be. I was just, uh, I just moved like last weekend or the week, yeah, maybe last weekend from Calgary to Edmonton. And like the odometer is in miles per hour in the U Haul, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm doing 70, but really I'm doing a buck 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, well, excuse me, sir. Why were you speeding? I'm doing 70. See, I'm actually going under the speed limit. <laughs> I mean, that's to be fair. That is my biggest complaint about anything in miles per hour. I can't stand miles per hour. And I'm sure there'll be some Americans who get annoyed at that. But like, it seems like you're going so goddamn slow when you look at the speedometer and you see 70. You're like, oh, I'm only doing 70. At least when you're doing a buck 30, you're like, oh, I'm doing 130. We're making good time. Yeah, like, oh, I'll be there. I'm shaving 14 minutes off my arrival time. Right. And then like in the U.S. too, it's like I, I keep thinking things are way quicker. Like, you know, when you drive through the U.S. and you see like this city, 30, and you're like, oh, I'll be in that city in like 10 minutes. Yeah, miles. Oh, no, that's still a half hour. <laughs> it's not 10 minutes. Well, we go to Montana a lot, and when we're driving down there, uh, the speed limit in Montana is 70 miles per hour, so it's 130, right? And they're up up on the sign, uh, there's highway signs in Manitoba, like one of those like electric ones, the like digital ones, and it, it says um, how – uh, a fuck ton of people have died on these um, um, Manitoba. There we go on Montana highways this year. And I'm driving doing 70. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> like 130 miles per hour on these shit roads or 100 kilometers per hour on these shit roads. No wonder why so many people died. Right. And I was like, uh, so basically you're giving me 10%, 140. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I do love the speed limits of BC. Yeah. Yeah. Because I even did a TikTok on it, though. Do you know that the rate of fatalities is not higher in BC than it is? Like, if per, like, 100,000 kilometers driven, the rate of fatalities is the same in Ontario as it is in BC. Ontario, that has a 90 kilometer an hour speed limit, has the same fatality rate as BC that has a 120 kilometer an hour speed limit through the mountains. It's just as dangerous to do 90 on the straight stretches, apparently, as doing 120 in the mountains. That's insane. To be fair, I think it's because my only personal theory is that when you're at the max speed limit and like you're doing 120, 130, you're going around corners and you're paying attention to the road because you have to or you die. I think people in like Ontario, they're doing 90 and they're just falling asleep at the wheel. That's that's exactly what it is. 90? Cool, man. I'm just going to have a nap here. Okay, look, You know? I've seen so many people in Ontario driving Teslas that just pass out 
uh, well, well, not passed out, but they're on live when they're driving to yeah. work or whatever. They're live and they're like looking at all the, cause the car's driving itself. That's super safe. You know, nothing's going to fail there. Right. You know and, what? I honestly trust the self-driving a lot really? more now. Yeah. Once I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh man, 90% of these people driving a car can't drive at all. Like, have you seen the quality of the average car driver? I used to be like, oh, I wouldn't trust it. Like, for myself, I don't know if I trust autonomous. But I still think autonomous is better than 95% of the mouth breathers driving their cars today. Like, I was coming out of Vancouver with a buddy, and we counted the amount of people playing on their phones. We passed 250 cars, and out of that 250, 180 people either had their phones on their lap or were holding it in their hands. I'm like, out of that, out of all these cars that, like... That's two thirds of all the people on this highway are currently playing on their phone. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe the self-driving is better than this. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Like, that's the only way I look at self-driving. I'm like, okay, it's probably better than what we have. Fuck. That's two thirds. Oh, it Man. was really high. And that's a small sample size too. Well, how many times are you driving a truck? It started pointing out to me. Have a look at a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people, and they got an iPad sitting in the sitting behind the dash cluster. I, I don't want to say that there's a certain demographic out there, but there is of um, people driving trucks that are uh, got the old iPad. There was a, a bad fatality in Merritt: two truck drivers killed, uh, both in the same semi. The guy driving the truck and the guy in the sleeper killed. They hit a low bed that was climbing up the hill. So they were climbing uphill. There was a low bed climbing up the hill. They drove into the back of the low bed doing 110. Uh, killed the guy in the sleeper and the guy driving. And at the accident scene, he's talking to the tow truck. They found the iPad there. And the truck driver was watching Harry Potter. Harry Potter was still playing. And the iPad was like mangled up by like uh, sitting in the bed. Like the guy was watching Netflix and drove into the back of another truck. And it's like. At what point was like, I kind of get it. The self-driving, I was always against it. I'm like, but I was comparing it to like other professional drivers. And that would make no sense. It's like it, self-driving, like a log truck driver that's paying attention, a little better rig movers, a re, like a professional owner operator or just a professional driver in general that's paying attention to the road. No, I would not want self-driving over that. But some of these guys that are just watching like Hogwarts and driving down the road. Okay. Maybe, maybe we let the computer take that one. I don't know. Bit of a thick skull. Hey. Oh, I mean, the only thing that really, really scares me is that, and the one thing that nobody else has been talking about. And I feel like I'm like, like, why is nobody talking about this? But the self-driving they're like, Oh, it'll work when the weather is good. But in the, like the driver may have to just take over an adverse weather. But like, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're saying that from basically from March all the way through September, this guy's not going to be driving the truck. He's not going to have any experience. And the only time he has to have experience driving the truck is when there's six inches of snow and ice on the road and it's a blowing blizzard. Like, fuck. Like, that's the not the city. good time to, like, to, to be the only time you drive truck. <laughs> Right. What do you what do you feel about e how, or how how do you feel about e logs? Oh, I I hate them. I've been adamant against e logs for. I had Chris Barber on uh, episode three. Uh, Chris Barber, the 
uh, organizer of the Freedom oh, yeah, Convoy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was talking about why he doesn't like them. And it's because now you got people racing the clock. Yeah. Right. They're, they're going to drive faster. They're going to work harder. Right. They're going to be yeah. more tired and they're going to probably cause more accidents. They push it more and they're more stressed. And now you have guys trying to, oh, I need to find a pullout. I got to find this. And they're do, trying to make up time and construction zones. I, oh, crap. I hit this construction or I hit traffic, but I, I've got 10 minutes to make it to this rest area or else I get an automatic fine from the government. Like I'm and like it's a $600 fine. Like you, you get hit, hold up in traffic and now you're looking at an automatic $600 fine. Yeah, that driver's going to be stressed. He's going to be taking risky maneuvers. I have said for years that if they actually gave a shit about safety, they would mandate the pay structure to be a, by the hour. Europe, that's the way Europe is. Everyone's paid by the hour and have the government able to audit. So you can only get paid to what the legal logbook is. Just make it as simple as that. You pay your driver by the hour. If he's at a warehouse, it doesn't matter. And if he goes over his hours, you're not allowed to pay him. So he's now working for free. Make it that way. You're working for free if you're over hours. Hey, you needed an extra 30 minutes? That 30 minutes is on you. You watch truck drivers and how fast they start parking the rigs. Well, I don't get paid anymore. Or a guy, but if a guy wants to go a little bit, he's making it home. Oh, I'm only an hour away from home. I've been on the road for a week. I'm just, I just want to sleep in my own bed tonight. I don't mind working for free for that last hour. Yeah. I would make it that way. And I think that would be the better way to do it. The driver's less stressed because he's no, he, he, it incentivizes them differently. The construction zone, while well, he's paid by the hour, he can slow down for safety. He doesn't, He's not paid by the mile. When you're paid by the mile, you are incentivized to drive as fast as you possibly can to make as much revenue. You hit a delay loading. Well, that's extra time. Like pre-trip, something happens to your truck. You want to check it out? Well, you're still paid to check it out. You're sitting at a loading dock. You're still paid for that time at a loading dock. So rather than having guys rushing through their load procedure, well, you know what? I'm paid by the hour. Maybe I'll throw an extra strap or two. I'm not sure. You won't have people like, good enough. I got to hit the road good enough i got three four straps i probably need six whatever it's not it's gonna be fine ah, Paid by the mile. three three is three whatever you know you don't need an extra three these three will be good yeah i'm just yeah. the mandating e-logs is not the way to do it mandating the pay and then just audit the companies hey what's the hourly rate of this driver what does his logbook say and how many hours did you pay him you know what maybe put the e-log in it but get rid of the fines put an e-log in there and now we can document truckers used to be paid by the mile because back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, you couldn't actually track how many hours a driver was working. The driver could put down whatever he wanted for his hours. Now you can see exactly when he fires his truck up, when he's at a customer's yard with GPS or when he's just having a coffee break. It can log all of that for you, put it in there, figure out, pay him off of the e-log. But a guy goes... Put in a limit at two, three hours over. Okay, maybe we should do something. But just say that, hey, after uh, 13 hours of driving, you are not allowed to be paid anymore. That's it. You are cut off. It's You can't roll it onto the next day. That day's log. Your pay stub needs to match your log book. You watch how fast those over hours start coming off. There you go. I mean, there's is the issue of the owner operators. Now, the owner operators that get paid by the load and pay themselves an hourly wage, but it's really the company. Now, they could cheat the system because they are booked by the load. But 
I don't mind that as much because a guy that owns his own truck has normally been in the business for a few years. He's a little bit more experienced. You know what? He's got a lot more riding. He's put his mortgage on his house payment or he's put his, he's got a truck payment. He's got a business. He's got more things to think about. And like, okay, is, am I safe to keep driving? If I wreck, that's going to cost me my entire business, all my income might lose me my house. I put my house up as collateral on this truck payment. I'm going to make sure I protect this truck because if I'm over hours and I have a wreck, I'm not covered by insurance. He's got his own incentives to park. He can yep. make that own decision because if you are over hours and you wreck your truck, you get no insurance. Whereas a company driver doesn't have to worry about the insurance or anything. He's just trying to get that money. So realigning these incentives to an hourly pay would fundamentally change the safety of the trucking industry. And I've long been advocating for it like Europe. But I think at the end of the day, it's about money. And the e-logs came out because of the mega carriers. There is nothing about that. The mega carriers were angry that the small fleets and the paper logs were out competing them. They could run more loads harder. They weren't playing by the same rules. Fuck it's it. all about money. Follow the it was paper all trail. about the money. Yep. It was about protecting the large mega carriers. That's the only reason we have e-logs. Yep. Yep. They didn't want the owner off. They didn't. Swift, Knight, Mercer didn't like that an owner operator with a big W9 could run an extra two, three hours a day over them. Well, oh, well, they can haul more loads and it's more profitable for them. And well, well, shut up. Like <laughs> you guys put the e-logs in there to try and make it harder and more expensive for the owner operators, therefore tipping the comparative advantage back towards the mega carrier. And that's why we have e-logs. It's not for safety. It's to protect Swiss transport's bottom line against people being owner operators with W9s. <laughs> hey chase do you know anything about viscosity yeah a little bit yeah why what, what do you know about viscosity uh is there a specific question about it i mean viscosity is just how fluid something is how thick the liquid is yeah yeah so what, what do you know about it though like you know what what do you got to do to make it less viscosity or more viscous? Viscous, viscous and more viscous. I think it is viscous. Well, Ooh. I mean, when it gets colder, it gets, oh, now I don't know which way viscous is. When it's colder, it gets thicker. When it's warmer, it gets thinner. Is that the exact opposite of you? You get colder, you get smaller. I get, yeah, I get colder, I get smaller. That that would be, yep, it's, it, yep. it's more Plus. viscous. Okay. Less All likely right. to fo- less likely to flow when cold. Um, are your loads visca- viscous? Do you have high viscosity loads? No, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm not sure if the cold impacts that. Hmm. I'm not sure either. You should try getting Science? it on in a freezer. I mean, you've got the math down for for trucks and stuff like that. You should get the science down for loads in the cold. I, I, guess, I guess where I'm going with this is that the podcast is sponsored by the Mudman. Uh, the Mudman deals in thick loads and how thick a load is, uh, mud wise, you know, like downhole on a rig, you know. So, uh, uh www.mudmanmarket.com for all oh, your for... drilling fluids and Wait, laboratory your spot. That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Your sponsor is a drilling fluid company, yeah. Ah, that's a dope ass sponsor. I thought so. 
I got huh. stickers and shirts and hats uh, that they've given me too over the last little while. They got a nice new. They got they they revamped their logo a little bit. It's like a John Deere uh, colors and stuff like that. And it's the guy holding the the measuring cup or the the funnel and measure measuring in the the thickness of the loads. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I used to haul a lot of barite out of the Yukon that was used for that drilling mud. And I went down that rabbit hole when I was hauling that on how interesting that stuff actually is. Like those guys that do that, that is that is a lot more than just tilted, dumping powder in there and creating mud. Like it is some sciencey ass mud there based on like science. temperature. Like they right. get in there and you, you have to calculate. Now you're drilling up in like northern alberta it's minus 40 50 out you have to make sure that your mud is viscous enough to pump it downhole but now you're dealing with downhole temperatures and you can't be too viscous or now when it's downhole and when it was 40 below above and it was a goopy gel now it's plus 30 down the hole plus 40 down the hole now it might be too viscous so how do you have something that can do its job on both things and then they get into different weights and how much hold back the weight of that mud does on the pressure and well, the mud man's got you covered. You know, Has he been on this podcast then? Uh, the mud man hasn't been on the podcast yet. We haven't had him on yet. That is coming up. You got to get your sponsor on the podcast because I would listen to that. Those guys going into that science are wicked cool. It is coming up. We we have it planned. It is it is coming up. Um, I believe he just got engaged. He's been fairly busy, and he's he's got you know uh, high tech gears and gadgets and thingamabobs and and wickets and widgets and stuff that that deal with all that stuff. And yeah, we have to talk to him about that stuff. Uh, him and I are getting together to make some content. Actually, um, the the vac truck guy dealing with you know fluids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you guys are the fluid experts. I just kind of, yeah. I just listen because it's interesting. But yeah, that's that's awesome that you got Mudman as a sponsor, and it, like it's actually a relevant sponsor because like nine to, if you told me like I was gonna be annoyed if you're like this podcast is brought to you by Grammarly, um, <laughs> to edit your things because you don't have spell check that's good enough for your shitty grammar by Grammarly. Like, no, that's that's a shit sponsor. you got a dope-ass sponsor. That is actually a good sponsor, though, because we're blue-collar workers, and apparently we're not intelligent. We need Grammarly to help us spell. And no one expects that. When no. have you ever, like, listened to a blue-collar thing and be like, ah, oh, I don't know. Chase's text, he used the wrong there. I mean, that's a bad example. I know that one. But you, you know what I mean? Like... Even autocorrect puts that the correct one in for you nowadays. Like, why do you need yeah. Grammarly? Well, or Duolingo. Yeah. This I'm out. I'm also. We're also getting sponsored by uh, Beef Jerky Company out of Red Deer as well. Uh, I can talk about that. Is that now. Mad Cats or Cats Ass? Cats Ass. They cats reached ass. out to me asking if I wanted yeah. to spot. They wanted to yeah. do a sponsor. I mean, I I just as a rule of thumb, I don't do any sponsored posts. I just. There's enough ads already that yeah. Well, but like they they offered yeah. me some free beef jerky, but I'm like ah, I just, I just don't do yeah sponsor. But that's awesome that they they came in with you. Well, they asked right, and I haven't got it yet. I got to order my my stuff. But I talked to them on the phone. I'm like, hey, I also have another avenue you could take this down. I can make a couple videos. Sure, why not try it? But I got a podcast. Why not talk about it on the podcast? Get it out. You know. Um, we could, you know, we have 1500 to 2000 monthly listeners right now. So that's where we're at. And they're all over the world. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I mean, I, I, I tried that cat's ass 
jerky mad cats cats ass i forgot what cats the name ass. was it, yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter i'm not i'm not they're not sponsoring me i can get their name wrong all i want <laughs> but no it, it's actually real it's actually real good beef jerky yeah it, it is good yeah no, no i like well beef jerky i mean i kind of like it like i talked to the owner of the company there he's, a, he's actually a pretty decent guy he started out Biff. making like yeah 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 no real solid good guy just a couple old couple boys from alberta and they're like they were making like diesel fuel supplements and then they're like ah I, I know we're making supplements and anti-gel and stuff for diesel. Do you want to make some beef jerky? And they're like, absolutely. Like, I kind of love that attitude because it sounds exactly like what me and my buddies would do when they're sitting and having a few too many beers in the hot tub. And you're like, you want to start a beef jerky company? Like after Hell a hunting yeah. trip where you've like, you know, you got buddies that went hunting, you got like a deer, you make a jerky or something like that. And you're like, we should start a beef jerky company. And I love how they just ran with it. And it's actually pretty good, but. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I can't wait till it gets to the house and I can't wait to try it. And I look forward to, you know, saying something like, ooh, that's the cat's ass. You know, like. That would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like, you just take a bite, like, that's the cat's ass. Meow. Do I add the meow or no? No. Meow. Is that weird? No, that, that, that did it for me. We're going to have to log off on this podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it, it, I, I should run, but it, it's always great talking with you, Dick. Okay, I got one more question. Then. Okay. Okay. And I'd like to add, um, add, finish the podcast up with this question. And uh, that's good. Um, so here we are. Okay, so Mount Rushmore has four of the most influential people in American history or the history of North America, who knows which, which one it is, but it's in the U S it's in the U S so, but it could be the four of the most influential people in North American history. Yeah. Right. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore? Who are four people that inspire you or you look up to and why? On a Canadian Mount Rushmore? Oh, it doesn't have to be Canadian. They could be American. They could be Irish. They could. I mean, I definitely keep Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt is still one of my favorite humans of all time. Okay. Like, as far as politicians go, like, have you looked into the history of Teddy Roosevelt? Uh, I knew that he was an actor, right? Uh, I think you're thinking of Ronald Reagan. Okay, that's Reagan. Roosevelt no, wrote. I'm gonna give horse. you a 30 second synopsis on um, on this. Teddy Roosevelt. So basically, tragedy struck. Uh, he came from a wealthy New York family. Tragedy struck. His um, wife and mother died in the exact same day of uh, a disease. He then said, screw it. I don't want this New York City lifestyle. I'm going to go out to Utah and become a cowboy. And he became a cowboy in the Badlands. Left New York, bought a ranch with cash, but rounded up a head of cattle, started ranching. Just straight up being a cowboy. Uh, Ran that successfully. Like, he literally chased cattle rustlers and rounded them up. Went back to Washington to get into politics. Became a senator. Not only... Did he become a, he said, we need to go against war against Spain. It was a Spanish American war. And he like, he's, he was one of the big proponents to go to war against Spain. You know how we say politicians don't face the consequence of their actions when they declare war? No, not Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt said, no, we need to go to war with Spain guys. And then was one of the first people landing on the beachhead. He landed in what he went back to Utah, rounded up a bunch of his cowboy buddies as he was a senator, 
grabbed a bunch of cowboys, did his own version of a D-Day naval invasion back in like the early 1900s before World War One, with a bunch of landing crafts and boats. He was pinned under, him and his men were pinned under heavy machine gun fire, trapped on a booth. Keep in mind that this is an active U.S. senator under fire. He single-handedly stormed a machine gun nest. He won the Congressional Medal of Honor for saving the lives of his men on that beachhead kicked the Spanish out of Cuba, then turned around and said, Cuba's now free. You can be your own country. We're not even going to take you over. You're just a free country now. Went back there and became the president. <laughs> when he And then when he didn't like the direction of, he was a uh, he was a Republican, he didn't like the direction of the party. He said, screw you. I'm going to start my own political party and called it the Bull Moose Party, where he then created the National Park System and all that. Like, he was just like... The only president, can you imagine? And then he was a big advocate. He's like, we need to go to war against the Germans in World War One. The president's son, both his sons, actively served in frontline combat roles. His oldest son died, unfortunately, as a fighter pilot. He was a fighter pilot in the war. He died. His oldest son survived and went on to be a general in World War II who was the only general to land in the D-Day invasions. So as far as a politician goes to put his money where his mouth is, to land on the beachhead and have his sons land on the beachhead, become active fighter pilots when he support, he's like, I support the war. How hypocritical would I be if my sons didn't go fight in the war? How could I send anybody else's sons off if my sons can't fight? Like, History lessons with Yeah, Chase. that is, sorry, but he, he is a very underappreciated U.S. president. And I just, he deserves, people are like, why is Teddy Roosevelt on it? No, out of all of those fuckers on there, he is my favorite one. But, so Teddy Roosevelt's on my map. <laughs> well, there uh, you go. That's number one. And you explained why. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I'd put like John A. McDonald, uh, Chief Pontiac or something like that. One of our local First Nations guys that were real good. Um... I, I guess you put Mackenzie King. I, I I don't know who who I put in. Like, how do you put a pot? It's got to last for thousands of years. And it's, it's like, so it could be like people in your life that inspire you. Like people who oh, said their dad. I'm just thinking like I'm me like themselves. Well, I'm not that egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who do I put up on my Mount Rushmore? You know what? You know what I would honestly do if I had the money to commission a Mount Rushmore? It's just going to be a giant penis. Hear me out on this. Hear me out. Why yes, not? It's a little immature, but this is going to last. And I was just saying it's going to last for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And I would just love to know that we are just absolutely screwing with some archaeologist like two, three thousand years in the future as they try and explain why there's this giant 400 foot tall penis carved out into the middle of the desert. They're like, maybe it was like some fertility worship. And you're like, no, it was just some rich hassle being a dick. Yeah. Like I love screwing with ancient culture or like archaeologists in the future. Like I have this, whenever I go anywhere overseas, my entire goal when I come back and souvenir buying is to screw with future archaeologists. Like I went over to China. I bought a bunch of like those brass Chinese medallions. And when I went to Peru, I went and got a bunch of like they sell them on the street. They're like these brass ornamental things, copper ornamental things that are like carved out. And I'm like, OK, they're obviously touristy souvenirs. 
but how will they look in a couple hundred years from now? And I've been hiding them in like little caves or like well-known hiking areas and putting them like two inches below the soil. And I just buy like a whole backpack full of these things when I come back and like just a suitcase full of like jingly objects that I bought in for like two or $3. And I just start putting them in the woods in BC because I'm like, this is going to fuck with an archaeologist in 200 years from now so hard. They're going to come into this park. They're going to find a cave. They're going to shut it down for all these excavations and be like, how did ancient Mayan and ancient Chinese artifacts end up within hundreds of meters of each other. They're hundreds of years old. This doesn't make sense. It may predate the carving on it. Be like, no, it's just some guy screwing with everybody. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, I had a uh, professor in university that started that tradition for me. He was a geologist. and a ge He taught up and did a lot of prospecting up in uh, none of it, way up there. And he used to get rocks from all over the world, like polished rocks, like in egg shape, super polished. And he would just leave them in a ceremonial like stack out in the middle of the Arctic. He's like, it's the Arctic. It's a desert. There's very little activity. And he would leave these piles of like polished stone that didn't exist anywhere else. And he's like, it's just going to screw with somebody in hundreds of years. And I find that hilarious. So now I've just started doing that. So my route, Mount Rushmore would absolutely be something just to screw with future archaeologists in like the grandest format ever. I think that's the best answer I've ever had on here. That and the Teddy Roosevelt. So two for one. Oh yeah. So two in one. Any chance I get to talk about Daddy Teddy Teddy, I'm I'm all for it. I'm calling this episode Teddy, by the way. Yeah, fair, fair. Hell yeah. That's I literally he's he's literally the guy the like, teddy bear's named after. Yeah, I know. You literally like, oh, I'm gonna give you a quick 30 second uh rundown on Teddy, and then it's like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We could do a whole podcast about Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, there, there should be more podcasts about Teddy Roosevelt. Wanna start one? Probably, probably. Let's do it. I simp super hard for Daddy Teddy. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right dick i do gotta run i gotta i gotta take care of a few things here but always great talking with you always great buddy i'm gonna go call my kids anyways and i gotta give my wife a history lesson on teddy roosevelt now fair enough fair enough all right chase you stay frosty and thanks for coming on big guy yeah thanks dick thanks buddy daddy teddy